4: Is up, y'all? It's your boy, Jed Mishu, and we are back for another episode of No Bets Barred. And you might be wondering to yourself, self, why is Jed introing this? Where is the esteemed Connor Burks? He's not here. He's abandoned us. We're going to get to that in a moment, but he's off gallivanting around the world in, in Paris and France and all those, all those highfalutin places. He's leaving you He's leaving me, and so we had to make the call. We had to get somebody to step in, to step up, and and I, I think we found the best guy possible. You know, a, a man I, I'm i sure you're very well familiar with. Maybe the greatest guy at MMAfighting.com. It's questionable. He's certainly better than, than that no-good Connor Burks who left us high and dry. Mr. Mike Heck. Mike, how are we doing?
3: We're doing great after uh, that incredible intro. I mean, poor Connor just... Taking a beating on all ends on the MMA hour here. I mean, good God, the man's not even here to defend himself. Jed,
4: who takes vacations, Mike? That's who does that. It's not a, it's not an acceptable thing to do, especially when we're coming off a bad week. Because there's no other way to put it. Neither of us did all that great last week. Both he and I had losing efforts at UFC Vegas 56. Um, I don't have his bets from there in front of me to recap. I know that he finished down uh, a, a number of units, and I also finished down a number of units. Though, I blame that almost entirely on one singular outcome, and it's the fact that for whatever reasons, the gods hate me. And I don't know why they do, Mike, but in her entire career, Karolina Kovalkiewicz, she never gets finishes. That's, that's a thing. She's never gotten one in the UFC. And I was dead right about everything on that fight. I was like, I don't understand why Kovalkiewicz is the underdog. She won the last fight. All of the signs point to her winning this fight. It makes zero possible sense that she would be the underdog. And so she's going to win. And she's going to win by decision because it's the only thing she's ever done. And then what the hell happens? She goes out and she chokes out Felice Herrig. And my weekend comes to a sad, sad end. But, you know, we press on, buddy. That's what we do here and and we're going to press on to a really good card. UFC well, really good might be a stretch. Let's let's say it's a stretch. But UFC It's A really good main card. It's a really good main card, exactly. 275 is uh it, it's pay-per-view, it's a Singapore pay-per-view. And for the fans, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode, um a little less structure, I and mean, we're still going to have vague structure here, but uh we're mostly just kind of going to shoot from the hip here talk about the fights we want to talk about see the stories the things that we think are interesting here especially from a gambling perspective and see where it takes us uh i do have connor was even though he's a dirty rotten scoundrel who abandoned me he was kind enough to at least send me his picks so I i will get to those uh through the course of business here but we have an important place to start mike a really important place and frankly, there's no better person to talk about this place than you, because the main event of UFC 275, it's a big one. It's the light heavyweight title. It's light heavyweight champion Glover Teixeira putting his belt on the line against the guy I have, and I think one more of our, our co-panelists at the MMA Fighting Rankings have, as the number one light heavyweight in the world, Yuri Prahashko. Now you, Mike, that we're going to go right into the betting perspective here, because you, have been banging the drum for Glover for months you are the captain of the Glover's gonna beat Yuri Prahashka bandwagon and I think I think you you've got me on the ropes you've got me I'm I'm right there I'm ready to commit to the underdog bet I just I need a little push I need you to finish body head body body head Mike so <laughs> put it away sell me on why Glover Teixeira is going to retain his title as the best light heavyweight in the world
3: Okay, so Glover just needs one takedown and he, he it retains the title. I mean, that's literally, that's the premise of this whole fight. Can Glover, can Yuri Prohashka keep Glover to share from bringing this fight to the ground? Because if he can, he has a very good chance to win this fight. And even on the feet, Prohashka is a wild man. He's got power, but you know who else has power? The 42-year-old man has power. Just ask... Good old Yanni Blaco about that that old man sharp strength. Little, He's got that, that old man strength. That sharp little left hand that was the beginning of the end of that championship fight back in October. I cannot get Dominic Reyes in full mount on Yuri Prohashka out of my head, Jed. I can't get it out of my head. And even the dog who somehow even in Florida finds a way to get involved in these conversations, he agrees with me that Glover DeChera is probably going to have to walk through a little bit of fire. He's just going to tackle Yuri Prohashka. He's going to find his way into full mount. And when he does that, Yuri ain't getting up. He's just going to sleep. He's getting strangled and that's it. So here's here's what I'll say, Jed. Here's what I'll say. If you are very confident in a Yuri Prohashka victory, good on you. If you want to take the Yuri Prohashka, I believe it's minus 140, KOTKO betting line, have at it but make sure you hedge yourself with that plus 350 Glover Teixeira by submission prop because, I mean, at least save yourself something, all right? Because if this doesn't happen, you're getting plus 350 on Glover by submission. That is an insane line that has just a tremendous amount of value for a fight that if it goes to the ground in any way, shape, or form, that will be the result of this fight. It will be Glover Teixeira by submission. So can Yuri keep it up? If he can't, he's going to get submitted on Saturday, and it's going to happen very quickly. So if you're going, Yuri, hedge that bet with the plus three fifty. I believe that's what it is on DraftKings as we speak right now. Yes, plus it 350. Is. Hedge yourself with a plus three fifty to share a by submission prop.
4: Okay, so I want to talk through this some more because like I said, I'm you haven't quite you haven't quite hit the finishing combo on me, but I'm there because while you say you can't get the dominic reyes in full mount out of your head i the thing that actually has has moved me closer to your line of thinking is what you said at the start is when I was go back and watching tape yuri is a wild man yuri has also been like hurt in both of his ufc fights volkanovs uh, caught him with a good one had him you know not wobbled wobbled but certainly had him stunned and backing up and obviously dominic reyes Landed a monster shot on him right before he, in turn, got finished like moments <laughs> later. And it's, and like you said, the I, I sort of, when I was just kind of vaguely thinking about this fight, was like, well, it's a takedown or bust fight, right? It's, it, it's two outcomes. Either the takedowns happen or they don't. But I also think there's a world where Glover can just knock out Yuri. Certainly, I think the more likely scenario is he would hurt him and then tackle him and then submit him. But I am. I'm starting to really think that he just has a lot of ways to win. He can knock him out on the feet. He can tackle him and just pound him out against the cage. He can find the submission, whereas Yuri is just, just has the one way. Yuri has never has won one decision in his entire career. I have no idea. I can't think off the top of my head if I remember him ever submitting a person. He he, he is all gas, no brakes, baby. That's, that's why we love him, and that's why it would be great if he was the heavyweight champion, but the big thing the the thing that's holding me back, the blocker here here's what I need you to sell me on. Glover to share is forty two years old mike he's forty two he's fist fighting at the age of forty two and that is he is demonstrably not as good as he was when he was younger and couldn't win the title so now that he's forty two and worse, he is somehow the champion and he's going to retain his belt. I need you to make me forget that he's 42. Tell me why that shouldn't be the deciding factor for me.
3: Because before this incredible six fight winning streak that he's on right now, he was drinking like a fish. At least that's what he told our old Guillerme Cruz. So <laughs> tech, before this, before this streak started, he was probably like 50 in fighting years, but since kind of putting the, the, the hooch down a little bit, he's, he's gotten younger. He's gotten younger. And here's, a, here's another thing, Jed, that I'll throw in there that the great John Anik brought up that I, you don't even really think about. Yuri's a get-or-get-got guy. But you know who also is a get-or-get-got guy when the going gets tough? Glover Teixeira is a get-or-get-got guy. If he feels like he's down two rounds in a fight, guess what he's going to do, Jed? He's going to get right after Yuri, and he's going to try to knock his face into the third row. And he's going to go out, get-or-get-got. So he's actually he actually has some semblance of chaos to bring to the table as well, even at 42 years of age. And guess what happens when you're 42 years of age and you're the champion of the world? You don't have a lot left. So you're just going to empty that tank and you're just going to get everything you can out of these last couple of fights. And from what I understand from speaking with Mr. Anik, who actually went to Connecticut a couple of weeks ago to visit with Glover Teixeira. He told me that just the mere mention of Yuri Prohashka's name gets him all giddy inside. It's not even just like, well, this guy's a tough fight. Like I got to bind my P's and Q's. It's just like, yes, I get to fight that guy. At UFC 275. Strength conditioning on point. Power on point. Everything on point. Healthiest he's ever been in his career, he's telling people. And people have... It's not just saying it. People have actually seen it. And they see the attitude. They see the look on his face. He is excited to fight this guy. This isn't just like a, oh, I better get him down or I'm going to submit him attitude from Glover Teixeira. This is a, I hope we get into the the fire pit. Because I'm ready. I'm ready if that's where we want to go. So... Glover's just got this confidence to him. He's got this kind of maturity, this old man. I'm just better than you. And I have way more experience in these big-time situations than you will ever have, Yuri Prohashka. So bring your best, son. Bring your bring your top knot. Bring it all. Because I've seen it before. I've seen it, and I've probably beaten it at some point in my career. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I think Glover's a very good chance to win this fight. And again, like you said, Glover could knock out Yuri on the feed. He has way more ways to win this fight than Yuri Prohashka does. Yuri just brings such an exciting style that we tend to forget that. But like you said, Dominic hurt him, but then he just got spinning elbowed into the ether world. But Glover can, Glover can stop Yuri with strikes. He can submit him. If this fight gets to the ground, it's over. It's over. So I, I don't understand the hesitation here from a lot of people, especially if you're super in on Yuri, how you just don't put a little something on one of these props for for Glover? I th- I think this is a hedge fight ever if if there ever was one if you're going for Yuri. If you're all in on Prohashka and you're not hedging Glover here, I think you're making a horrible mistake.
4: I will for sure agree with you on that. I think it is very obvious how Tushar can win this fight and there are just some some interesting, you know, props that are are value hedges there for you. I'm not as confident about this by submission, <clears throat> honestly, just because I do think that probably is the most likely way he wins. But for whatever reason, the upset in my mind is being visualized as, as a TKO with just punches from on top. And that's very weirdly at plus 800 odds for Glover Teixeira to, to win by KO TKO, which I honestly think I might just throw a little flyer on because that's, that's a pretty big number. But you've done it, Mike. You have convinced me. Yes, I'm in. It, this is the glow. I think he's going to win and then he's going to retire. If he doesn't, Glover's screwing up. You go out on top, my guy. He's going to go. He's going to get the job done. So, my first bet of the evening is going to be on Glover Teixeira at plus. Where's he at right now? He's at plus 170. That's just a big number. Plus 170 is a pretty big number. I mean, that's like a 36% win probability, something like that. Um, 37, maybe 38. Um, but yeah, that's a huge number. And also, just because you know, I like math, Mike. Who doesn't like math? Glover, <laughs> five and three is an underdog. Five and three is an underdog. And his last three fights he was an underdog, obviously won them all. That's why he has the belt. So he's looking to make it four in a row. That's pretty pretty big time for Glover right there. That's that man is cat is paying off some bills if you've been backing him for the past three years. So
3: and also, let me let me just throw let me just throw do it. A- another name out there who has nothing to do with this fight but actually plays an important role in my opinion. Glover Teixeira is training with Alex Bejeda on the daily. So it's not like he's not seeing insane striking ability. It's not like he's seeing insane power. It's not like he's seeing spinning stuff and just out landish type of striking he's seeing this every single day from this guy so it's not like i I just yuri can bring some different things to it but not a lot that glover doesn't see on a like on a daily basis like flip-flop one or the other two very violent guys two incredible strikers but two guys who aren't terrific on the ground and i bet glover has a lot of success in that room against alex bejeda so I, i just i feel really good about this glover pick i feel really good about it
4: and you have you have been you have been steady the whole time there's been no deviation from you for months and months I mean since this fight since we knew this fight was happening you have been staunchly in the Glover camp and you wore me down you wore me down I'm here <laughs> I'm with you I'm on Glover also I do there's another bet here on this uh, on this particular fight that I've got added in we'll talk about that in a second cuz it's important to mention me and that that scoundrel Connor Burks, we have a head to head once again. We've been having a few of those. It's been a uh, it's been tough going for Connor. He is zero two against me in in the head to head matchups. Granted, some of you know the the Holly Holm, Ketlin Vieira. Obviously, that was a very contentious decision. I was on Ketlin Vieira though, and and won that. But he is taking you, Brahashka. He got him at. Let me look up the number that uh, Connor texted me for. He got him at pretty close to current current value minus one eighty five, so um, not not that different from what the current line is. So, uh, but he and I are doing yet another civil war. I'm looking to go three and zero against him, really run that score up, and then my other bet on this card. We've both alluded to it actually, in, in one way or another. Uh, I think taking the under three and a half rounds is a perfectly fine bet, but I have a uh, fight does not go the distance in a parlay. That number's at minus 500, So, because I I do agree with you, or everyone, that Yuri Prohashke, the man is going to win or he is going to lose, but he is not going to take 25 minutes to do either of those things. So this fight is not going to—the judge is not necessary here. Minus 500 is a fine parlay piece. I've got it in a three-leg parlay. I'll tell you about the other legs as we get to them.
3: I like them. I like your picks. By the way, if if you're feeling a little froggy, if you're having a super up night— you've won all your bets, like you're just going ham on this entire card and you're just feeling it, and you're like, wow, that Mike Hecht guy, he's been very confident this whole time. The Glover Teixeira wins in round one prop is plus 800. So just putting that out into the universe if you're feeling a little frisky.
4: I mean, I love love friskiness. So plus 800 wins in round one. I mean, why even stop there? Why not go Glover Teixeira wins in round one by submission?
3: Oh, plus a thousand.
4: It's plus one, plus one K right there.
3: Plus 1100 round two. I mean, there's, there's so much fun that can be had here.
4: Gambling is so much fun. And there's so, (laughs) there's so many fun things. I have a bet that I don't have a line on yet, but I'm really excited about. We're going to talk about, uh, uh, much further down the card. That's a very stupid bet, but I have a specific reason for it. And whenever the line drops, it's going to be like plus 10,000. And it's going to be the most electrifying minute of my life to see if this hits. We'll get to that in a minute. That's that's what we call a tease in the business. So stay tuned to the pod, guys, uh, as as we build towards that.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
4: All right, y'all. We are back and we're moving on. So uh, I said we're gonna shoot from the hip, but first we've gotta, we've obviously got to talk about the co-main event. It is a women's flyweight title fight between Valentina Shevchenko, the goat, and Tyler Santos. And I have many, many thoughts here, Mike. I really doubt you'll disagree with any of them. But I wanna, I wanna offer you the floor. What, what do you have to say about this? This fight, any gambling lines, any thoughts you might have in on the co-main event and the greatest female fighter we've ever seen.
3: I mean, there's some interesting prop bets here, but listen, we all it's the we're not we're just delaying the inevitable here. We know what's going to happen. Valentina Shevchenko is going to retain her title. She's going to win this fight. My dog is barking again. Again, he agrees with me. It's the maybe it's the new wolf pack sound effect. When you and Connor uh, agree on a pick again, but
4: say so when you get the dogs barking like we had with Glover, because it's not technically a wolf pack with Glover, because it's you, it's not me and Connor, and Connor obviously is against us. But you and me can have a wolf pack. We can have our own wolf pack, Mike.
3: Yes, there you go. the The Shiloh pack right there. Him just barking. The about Shiloh everything. pack. The Shy pack. Uh, the Tyler Santos UFC debut concerns me a lot in this fight. I know it was long ago. I know it was Mar Barella. I know.
4: She it has won all her
3: fights since then.
4: It concerns you that the greatest female fighter of all time uh, is about to take on a woman who lost to Mara Borrello. I agree. <laughs> it should concern you for Tyler <laughs> Santos.
3: It just tells you that when the moment gets a little too big, she is just not ready for it. Now, we've seen very strange things happen in MMA. I just don't see Valentina. I think if Valentina slipped on a banana peel she would slip into some sort of spinning kick and knock Tyler Santos out. So I don't see any <laughs> slipping on a banana peel here unless it leads to a violent finish. I have to kind of look at the props a little closely, but I think this is one-way traffic. It's just another showcase fight for Valentina Shevchenko. I think Tyler's just the next woman up right now. I mean, it's, it's just what it is to me. She's just the next woman that's going to get defeated. There is one prop that I... I mean, I kind of like the 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 Valentina finish props here, because they're all, like, decent value Like, I don't think she's going to finish in the first round, although the experts seem to think she's going to get this done quickly, plus 380, if we're talking about finishes. But I just see a Valentina perfect game coming here. I think just two hard rounds in the third round when Tyler just gets up in the stool and she realizes what is standing in front of her, Valentina Shevchenko is going to put her out. And it's going to be ugly. Third round TKO... Just a, one of those stoppages where we're just like, whoever the referee is, thank you. Thank you for saving this woman. Thank you for letting her live to fight another day. And still, Valencia gets on the microphone and just cuts a fiery promo on Juliana Pena, on Amanda Nunes, and just says, hey, you're not fighting for the Bantamweight title. You're fighting for the chance to fight the greatest women's fighter of all time. And you're going to lose. And then she takes the microphone away from Daniel Cormier and drops it in the octagon and then marches, dances her happy ass back up the aisle. She dances away. Dances her. Yeah. Third round TKO. I think this is one way traffic. I think the first two rounds she probably could put Tyler away. She's just not going to. And then she's just going to mercifully put her away in the third. Within Inside of 12 minutes, this fight's over.
4: Third round TKO for for the Chevy truck is plus 1400, and I don't hate that at all. So I have I have so much action on this fight.
3: In, in <laughs> is, this, is this your Rose Dabiudis, Carlos Barza-esque kind of, or is there more on this one than this that is,
4: one? This is... Oh, this is so much. This is... I, I'm going <laughs> to... We're going to talk about the big bet at the at the very end of this segment, because I'm going to do something I literally have never done before, because it's bad, but it's not bad, and I'll explain. But I... For funsies, I obviously have taken a an action on Chevchenko on by KO, TKO, plus 200. Everything you said. Look, Tyler Santos, in many ways, is just a... uh, mm, What's the word I'm looking for? I want to make sure I choose this carefully. A dollar store version of Valentina Shevchenko. She is a, a pretty good Muay Thai artist she, who takes people down like a lot randomly and is okay on the floor um, she's pretty physically gifted, especially in comparison to the rest of the division, but it's she is just nowhere near what's going to come for her on, on Saturday. And so this fight to me, I think the most likely outcome is that Shevchenko actually just does the same thing she's been doing pretty recently where she gets a body lock, just muscles Santos down and then just elbows her face off because who can stop it? No one can stop that. No one's been able to stop that. It's just what she does, and so I think that that's probably what's going to happen here. So I'm taking a a, a, a regular bet on Chevchenko by KO TKO uh, that props at plus two hundred. I also have Chevchenko straight tied into the aforementioned parlay with Tashera Prashka does not go the distance. Chevchenko right now straight is minus six thirty, and that's where we're going to get to my big bet because minus six thirty is an insane number. It sounds enormous. It's really not. It's actually low-key not a huge number. That is an 86% win probability on a fight that Shevchenko is going to win 99 times out of 100. The, sure, this is MMA, and anything can happen. And so maybe Shevchenko throws a kick, snaps her leg, a la Conor McGregor. Oh, no. That would be terrible. But if they fought 99 times, I would feel comfortable in saying that Shevchenko wins 98 of them like she is just such a favorite here so for her to be at minus 630 I I truly don't understand why that number is that low like she was minus 720 against Lauren Murphy yes Lauren Murphy's not the athlete Tyler Santos is but like come on Jennifer Maya minus 750 is what she opened at is Carmouche 600 like I can only assume it's the gaudy record that Santos has you know 18 and 1 19 and 1 whatever it is with with that one loss that we talked about, but it makes no sense to me. I joked on last week's episode that actually I was just going to I wouldn't have any straight bets this week. They would all be parlayed with Valentina Shevchenko just for that little bit of extra juice. And I don't think that's wrong, frankly. It's not. Still think I could totally do that and be fine. But I decided a better way to do it is I'm gonna I'm gonna break my rules. I'm gonna do a thing I never do. I'm going all in. You do it at a poker table when you've got the nuts, you pre flop and you've got bullets and you just shove. And I'm going all in. So I have the bets I'm making today, and every other cent in my gambling bankroll that is not tied to the bets I am making, it's all going on Chevy truck straight at minus 630. Yes, it's a big number, but it's gonna pay out. This is, I'm risking it all for the biscuit, but that risk is so low. And yeah, the payoff's not huge. But if you put like minus 630, I agree. That's a big number. You can still make a good return if you're putting in all of your money on that. So I'm not (laughs) suggesting anyone follow suit here. This is obviously exactly the sort of thing they tell you not to do in any gambling venue. But if I'm just saying, think about it like this. If you put 10K on Valentina Shevchenko at a current odds, you'd make 1500 plus bucks. That's not, I mean, if I walk down the street and you, I see a $20 bill, I'm going to pick up that $20 bill and it's the same sort of thing. So that's what I'm doing. I know that that is a crazy maneuver, but I am shoving every cent I have that isn't tied up in other bets this weekend on Valentina Shevchenko. I'll be sweating the co-main event, but I won't be sweating because she delivers every single time. She is not going to have an Amanda Nunes, you know, fall from grace. That's just not who she is. So. All gas, let's go, baby.
3: I love it. I love it so much.
4: I I love it too when it wins. If something happens, if this is the one in a hundred that it doesn't work out, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a sad, sad panda. But I can rest easy knowing that my compatriot Connor Burks, he's along with me. He has Valentina Shevchenko in a parlay. Uh that parlay is uh with Yuri. Yuri Glover does not go the distance, so he and I actually have a very similar parlay set. And the third leg, we're going to talk about right now because it's arguably the best fight on this whole card, Mike. Like I mean, the you know, the other fights are great fights. I'm not here to, to, to talk anything bad about title fights, but the greatest women's fight of all time is 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 happening in the I don't remember even what we call this, the the feature bout of the main card, a women's strawweight battle between Wiley Zhang and, and J Chick, two former champions of the division in 2020. Am I right in that year? It was 2020. They had the yes. fight of the year in like January of 2020. Honestly, the greatest female fight I've ever seen. One of the five best fights probably of all time. And they're running it back. It's three rounds this time, which I think is a huge difference maker, especially in what's going on here. But what are your, what are your impressions here? How how are you feeling about this fight, Mike?
3: So right now, looking at the betting lines, Wei, Zhang Wei is a minus one fifty five favorite, and Joanna is plus one thirty five. So my initial thought is there's a lot of value on Joanna at plus one thirty five. This should be, a, this should be line closer. This should be at worst Joanna plus one twenty. At worst, it should be plus one twenty. So I think we're seeing some value on Joanna. And here's the thing: I thought Joanna won the first fight. I thought she won the first fight. It wasn't clear, it was a very close, competitive, absolute battle, but I thought Joanna won. Since then, Joanna has had time to get her mind right, to take a much-deserved breather from the sports, she got away from it for a while, and Zhang Wei Li went on to get knocked out viciously by Rose Namajunas, and then went to MSG, changed everything about her life, her game, went to fight ready, changed everything about herself and still lost. There's a lot on the line here for Zhang Wei I I'm very confident Joanna could win this fight. And I'm not a better, but let's just say I had let's just say I had some units to play around with. Normally I would try to find like a sneaky prop somewhere. I'm sure fight goes the distance prop is going to be mighty juicy. I'm not sure what the number is. But if I'm if I'm making a confident wager here on someone at plus money Joanna and Jacek, I'm pretty darn confident in taking that fight. I just I felt like Joanna was the better fighter the first time around. I feel like Zhang has suffered a couple really tough losses since then, and I know she fought Rose very competitively the second time, but Rose did not fight great that night. She really didn't, and Zhang caught her on a rough night and still lost to the uh, on the judges' scorecard. So. Give me, Ioana, to win a decision here. I feel pretty confident about that. And if I'm placing money and I see a plus 135 line or higher, I'm jumping all over that because I think it should be closer. I think there's value on at 135, and that's a line I would take.
4: Well, Ioana, by decision, is plus 200 as it currently stands. So There
3: you go. I'd probably go and, that route instead.
4: And this is, honestly, this is, I think, the most difficult fight of the evening for me to call because everything you're saying is true. But also I don't everything that you're saying is also not true. <laughs> in that <laughs> in that it's all correct, but that the other side of it is also very concerning. Like, yes, Yuan has had some time to recover. Counterpoint. She also hasn't fist fought anybody in two plus years, two years and several months. That is a very concerning thing when you're coming back to fight somebody like Wiley Shang. Yes, I thought Joanna won the first fight. I rewatched it. I've rewatched it a couple times since then. I rewatched it this morning before we did this just to kind of get another look at it. I don't think, I, I think that it, it it was fine if you scored it for Joanna. I think probably Wiley Zhang should win, quote unquote, based on the fact that Joanna's face was disfigured for the rest of like the next three months or whatever. But that fight. There were two clear rounds, one for each of them, and then three rounds that you could have scored it any way you wanted, it, and I would not have a problem with it. They were evenly matched. But I in that fight, I I for sure scored a you know, in a three-round fight, I would have given the win to Joanna. But the big issue here is that wasn't a three-round fight. It was a five-round fight. And Wiley Zhang fought like it was a five-round fight. And the things that she is good at, the skills, the the stuff that she has, the attributes she has, she is much I won't say physically stronger than Yuana, because actually in the clinches, I thought Yoana did better than Wiley did in the clinches. But she's a much more powerful striker than Yuana. I think she's faster than Yuana. And that's kind of what we saw in that first fight, where Yuana was a little more technical, but she would get dragged into extended combinations and just the speed and power and the the ability for Wiley Zhang to hurt her without really getting hurt equally as badly in return leveled the plant leveled the striking field enough. And that was over five rounds of three rounds. I think Wiley Zhang has a much greater opportunity to just kind of empty the tank out and say, all right, keep pace. I'm the better physical fighter. Keep pace with me. And I don't know if you want to can do it, especially coming off a two-year layoff. I just don't know what she's going to look like. And similarly, I have no idea what Wiley Zhang's going to look like after, you know, two two losses in a row. Pretty Detrimental to her long-term career, frankly. Like She lost the belt in brutal fashion, and then she comes back. Like you said, she changed everything, she tried to be focused and ready, caught Rose on a bad night, though not her worst night, as Carla Esparza <laughs> has proven to us. Not Rose's worst night, but caught her on not a great night and still couldn't quite get the job done. And so I don't know what she's going to come into this fight. There are so many questions for me here that you can convince me of any bet. You can't convince me of a Wiley Zhang straight bet because at minus 155, that number is obviously insane. You can convince me of a Yuan at underdog value at plus 135. I think that's that's a totally reasonable bet. But I think for me, I I only have one piece of uh, action here at the moment, though I'm still vacillating between whether I want to take a side. And it's just I have the fight goes to decision prop. uh, That's at minus 225 i've got that parlayed with the uh aforementioned one to share uh perashka doesn't go the dis- distance minus 500 and Chevchenko at minus 630 it pays out at basically even money at plus 101 so i've got those three parlayed together and my advice to any better is this you know if you're still taking my advice after i just said i was going all in on a fighter which is an awful idea to do but if you're taking advice. I don't. Neither of these women's getting a finish. I just don't see that happening here, and the by decision props are much more juiced. So, like we talked about, you know, Jay chick by decisions plus two hundred. Think there's value there, and frankly, if if you're inclined to be a Wiley Zhang better, Zhang by decisions plus one forty. That's a pretty big gap from minus one fifty five, because Yuana isn't someone who gets finished historically, and. They've fought before. It just seems really unlikely that either woman gets a stoppage here. So if you want to have a side, I would strongly encourage you to have a by decision prop. Then again, that's what I said last week. And then Karolina Kovalkiewicz decided she was going to suddenly submit Fleece Herrig. So it's why gambling is stupid and people shouldn't do it. But it sure makes the damn thing fun.
3: Agreed. And I just, I mean, I'm with you. I don't like the betting line. I think it's, I think it's off. Now, if by Saturday you're like, oh, I'm going to take a bet on this fight, and then you look and it's a 115, probably not worth the juice in my eyes, yeah, but plus 135 that's... right now, and it might even go up. If you can catch it at plus 135, plus 140, or even higher, I it's worth a look. It's worth a look. But if we get below even plus 120, I think we're okay. But if we get below plus 120, I think, I think we've gone a little too far the other way.
4: Yeah, I would. I for sure wouldn't take it at uh, that. At plus one thirty five, plus one forty. You're talking basically a forty percent win probability, which I think there's. I think this is close to a coin flip. So I screw it, Mike. I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna pull the trigger on it. I'm gonna put for for two very specific reasons. One, I think you're right. I think there's enough value here. I'm gonna go place a bet on Yonnie and Jick to win this fight. Uh, straight at underdog value. I'm not gonna take the by decision prop. Just because I'm already getting underdog value, I'll be fine without the buy decision. And mostly because if I take that bet, you know what happens? We have a wolf pack wager because Connor Burks is also taking Ioanni and J Chick to win this fight. Underdog odds, he got her at plus 150. Ow, 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 <laughs> ow, ow.
3: What do we call? Uh, is this the tripod bet since all three of us are on Ioanni?
4: I'm not sure legs. we call the tripod. We got to figure this out though. We'll find something, but right. we we our pack is one stronger, and we have three bets <laughs> on Yuani and Jacek to win this fight. So uh, probably not going to win now, but that's okay. Wolfpack wagers are I think one and two at this point. So tough hang for us so far. But now We've I'm got,
3: evening it out. I'm taking. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm teetering us in a different direction.
4: We have room to grow, so that <laughs> is is exciting. Uh, and Connor also, like I said, Connor and I, our parlay, which we came to entirely independent of each other, pretty close. Because Connor, I have the fight goes to decision at minus 225. Connor has a uh, fight goes over one and a half rounds. I don't know what he got those numbers at, but his his total parlay uh, comes out to a minus 128 payout. So we have the same three bets functionally, just slightly different, slightly different odds uh, for our parlay. So you know, if you guys want to get involved, feel free. And now we come to the interesting part. Because now, I have a couple of other fights I sort of specifically want to talk about. Because I have some some action down on them. And I guess we can go with main card fights. But we're going to play a little faster and looser here. Because I don't have a ton to say um, on some of these fights. But I do just kind of want to talk about them. We don't need to spend eight hours here, you know, Mike. So, the other main card fights. Rogerio Bontarin taking on Manel Cape, Cap. Is it Cape or Cap? Unsure. It's
3: Cap. It's Cape in my heart, but I guess it's Cop.
4: Uh, cop. Uh, in a flyweight fight, um, I strongly, strongly, strongly suggest you not do what I've done, which is I talked myself into Rogerio Bontarin. I did <gasps> it. I did it. I thought looking at this fight, I was like, that is Mino Cop is going to win this fight. It's going to be very easy. It's not even going to be a struggle for him. Straight, simple. He's a better striker. Blah blah blah. And then I watch tape, and then I can't, I can't shake the fact that I think Manel Cop might be one of those guys who is really fun and people really like. But he's just not actually like. He's not elite. He's great. And he's good. And he's a great fun fighter. But he is not a guy who's going to make that leap, even though he has a lot of the tools. The things that sold me here is one. Cop is a minus two twenty favorite. That is a that is a comfortable favorite, and I don't feel comfortable with that line at all. Um, but I got Bontran at plus 180, um, and the big thing against Bontran is he's 0-3 with one no contest in his last four, and that one no contest was a win, but it got overturned because he popped for a banned substance. Now he did get that written off um, as a tainted supplement. He got, I think, a three-month sus- reduced suspension there, but... He also missed way for that fight. So there was a lot going on in the one fight he hasn't lost in the last couple of years. But I just, I can't shake that I don't think Kopp fights the smartest fight all the time. And Bontarin is not like the best striker in the world, but he's not terrible. And he's really good at getting clinches and, and securing takedowns. And a theme of the bets I have <laughs> this weekend are... Striker versus grappler matchups, I'm taking a lot of grapplers this week, because a lot of grapplers are underdog odds this week. And so I think this fight to me looks a lot like Bonter and Kai Kara France, which if you are if you know fighting, you might be like, Well, Bontur got knocked out in the first round. So why are you taking Bonturin in this fight it's Manel Cape if that's what you think this fight is like? Because I think Kaikara France is better uh, than Manel Cape. And I think Bonturin was hustling kkf for that first round like he he took the back he had it for most of the round he got up he also ate some big shots from kakao france before he got knocked out and his problem was he ate them and then sort of looked like he got a little overconfident like okay i took a big shot that's fine i don't really need to concern myself i just need to kind of put my head down and move forward and then he didn't see one coming and it killed him so I think he's going to have learned from that. He's not going to be nearly as uh, bad with his decision-making in that regard. And I just like his ability to get some takedowns. And you said it for the main event. I'm saying it here. I think if Bonturin gets one, two takedowns, he's won this fight. So I'm back in the underdog again at plus 180. Tell me why I'm crazy.
3: I mean, you you make a pretty compelling argument. I I mean, I get it. If, If we're taking straight money bets, it's dog or pass especially at minus 220 for Manel because he is a very exciting guy. We have uh, most people, especially hardcore fans have very high hopes for Manel cap. They thought he could come in ways in before his first UFC fight as a championship alternate. We saw big things for him. And then the bell rang for his first three fights. And we were like, who the hell is this guy? This is not the guy that was running through Ryzen to win Bantamweight gold and just absolutely starching people, mostly in the second round. Last couple of fights, you kind of just seen it. He's just like, F it. This is the UFC. I can't I have no more time to get my feet wet in this promotion. I have to win a fight. And he goes out and has two vicious knockouts. Now he's been a and he's always been a consummate slow starter. It's it's always been that way. First round end of the first round is where he starts to get cooking. Second round is where he gets real cooking. And he's finishing guys quick in the first round, which is uncharacteristic for him. Normally, it takes him around to get going. Not quite like Piotr Jan, but some, Jan, some Jan-isms where he uses that first round to kind of get some information. And then he takes that information to the second round for violent finishes. Now he's just like, let's go. I see an opening. I'm just going to go for the kill. I don't like Cape or Cop at minus 220. I think that's way too far of a line. I think this fight is is closer. But and I know we haven't really seen a prop there, but the one prop I do see that does have value if you're going Manel Cop is Cop inside the distance at plus one twenty. Why do minus two twenty? Because Cop's not winning a decision. If he's winning, he's knocking Hajirio Bontarin into the next week. He's going to knock him out and it's going to be violent and it's going to be vicious. So uh if you're going to take cop, go plus money, find it wherever you can, but if you just want to play it a little bit safer, I think Cop inside the distance. If you go on that route, a plus one hundred and twenty is a way nicer spot than minus two hundred and twenty. Less sweat. And if Cop's going to win, that's probably how he's going to do. it. He's going to finish him. So yeah, I like that line a lot better. But I'm not against you at all. I uh, bontarina is an interesting dog pick. I just feel like Cop, especially fighting in Singapore, it's a big thing for him. Being back in that area that people know him, they're not going to be like loud and boisterous through the entire fight, but they're going to be on his side. There's going to be a little buzz behind him this week, more so than Hajir or And I think this is a a nice little, it's an important fight for him, but it's also kind of a nostalgic fight for him being back in, into that region of the country to compete.
4: Yeah, the region is an interesting thing I didn't really consider, but it, I agree with you. If you're going to, if you feel like Mano Cop is the guy, get him inside the distance, get him... A, by TK KO because the man has one decision win in his entire career. That's uh, that's just not the way he wins fights. So he's a bit Yuri Prahashka esque in that regard. So, you know, he uh I think if that if you want to do that, that's where you go. But I I just couldn't help it. I just watched the fights and it's not like cop even look like, yes, great highlight real knockouts, but like Ode Osborne had him uncomfortable in spots. So I'll guess Zuma Golov, which I probably screwed that up, so my bad, hand up, also was really putting the action forward on him, made made cop uncomfortable at points in that fight. It is, I mean, yes, he also knocked both of them out at the end of the first round, but still, like it's just, he hasn't shown everything that I wanted to see when he came over. And so maybe it's that, maybe I'm just reacting to him not living up to my pre-UFC expectations and saying, you get plus 180 on a dude who's going to take him down and take the back. That feels like value. So I want Bonter in. Uh, our My my colleague, Connor Burks, does not have any action on this fight, which I'm a little bit surprised about, honestly. I would have loved to, to have him explain to me because I would have thought for sure he was on Starboy by KO. That feels, or, or the under, like he loves over-unders. That feels like <laughs> somewhere he'd want to be, but, you know, I, I guess that's where we're at. Last main card fight. Jack Della Madalena versus Ramazan Emiev, Which one is it, Mike? You know these better than I do. I think it's Emiev, but and, I could be wrong. Ra- Ramazan Amiv, Jack Della Maddalena. Man, how the mighty have fallen. Ramazan Amiv was a hot shot prospect, and he is coming in as an underdog for the first time in his career. He has never been an underdog before. He is the Jack Della Madalena, a uh, man with one UFC fight to his name. Uh, but a lot of hype, a lot of potential. Uh, opening of this or current odds have this fight at Madalena at minus 150 with Ameev at plus 130. Where do you stand on this bout, Mike?
3: I stand. It's a close fight. Jack Della Madalena is a really good prospect. And I actually salute to the matchmakers. I think this is the perfect piece of matchmaking right here. How good is this kid? If you could beat Ramazan Ameev, then you're pretty solid. I think Madeline has got a lot of skill. He's still a little green, but he's also a big student of the game. And I think the best thing he could do is go back, watch the fight between Ameev and Anthony Rocco Martin, and that's your game plan. Just kick that man in the legs 500,000 times, and you're probably going to win the fight. Want to know why? Because Ramazan Amiv doesn't stop or check any leg kicks at all. He's not interested. Never checks a leg Don't kick. not want him. He's not interested in it. Yeah, he's going to keep going forward, hope for a takedown. So if Madalena could stay on his feet and just land leg kicks and just keep him away, mess with the body, maybe you could throw something up top. Maybe those leg kicks will keep scoring. You could do some fakes, some shimmies, go up top a little bit. Maybe you can get a finish. But I think Madalena's got a lot of ways to win this fight. I think Amiv, I'm not going to call Amiv a one-trick pony, but... If he doesn't get fights to the ground, he normally doesn't do very well. And when things, when the going gets tough, he has a tough time winning those decisions. Danny Roberts, that last fight, perfect example. Close fight, but Danny got to work a little bit more, and that's why he won. Ramazan's not a guy that's just going to go out there and throw 50, 60 strikes in a round. He's going to sit there and he's going to. Like, if you were to read a book about MMA and, like, how one would fight, that's how Ramazan Amiv fights. Oh, on page 46, I'm supposed to throw a right hand. Page 48, (laughs) I'm supposed to shoot and fade in a takedown. Like, that's how he fights. He's a very textbook fighter. I think Jack Della Maddalena is the complete opposite of that. I think he's willing to take risks. He's willing to take chances. And he's willing to take the risks to get the result he wants, which Ramazan Amiv is not that guy. So, give me the athletic Jack della Madalena to win a decision here. I don't think he's going to get a finish, but I think this is going to be a fight where first round might be a little interesting for Jack. I think he's going to get cook in the end of the first round. Second round, he's going to start to score, and then the third round is going to turn it on. And I can see him winning a twenty nine twenty eight decision here. Now, as far as the betting line goes, it's not bad. Where what is it? It's minus one fifty. It's not horrible. I actually expected this line to be higher, if we're being honest, because of the hype, and this is... I actually did a little bit. I thought it would be sniffing minus 170, something in that range. It wouldn't surprise... It's just because of the the way the betting community sometimes works. They just they it just look the at what have you done to me lately. He's the new shiny toy. So, I might wait to see if a couple more bucks come in on Amiv if we're going to do a straight pick, but whatever the... Whatever the Fight Goes the Distance prop is, I'm kind of liking that right now. Fight Goes to Decision. Fight Goes the
4: Distance is a good prop. I minus even, 175. I didn't even look at that prop, so minus 175.
3: Minus 175. Madalena, by decision, is... Madalena wins by decision, is plus
4: 180. Plus... So,
3: yeah, it's... And Meeve's Ma- not a guy that gets finished very often. I don't think he's ever been finished. I don't think he's been finished in the UFC.
4: I am extremely confident uh, that he has not been finished in the UFC, and I am correct on that. He has been knocked out and submitted once in his career, uh, back in the old M1 days, but well, the submission was his second ever fight, that was in 2009, so I don't anticipate that being a thing, especially not with, if we're being honest, the JDM's game is not submission heavy, Oh. Yeah,
3: he's he's a violent striker, but I mean, he was really tough too. like he's durable. He doesn't check leg kicks, but he keeps fighting. He doesn't go down. He doesn't stop. He doesn't wither. And he doesn't quit. So I think the durability keeps him in for 15 minutes. But I think when the fight's over, it's a clear Jack Della Madalena win.
4: Well, you're in good company because our our good friend, uh, Connor Burks, he has a straight bet on Jack Della Madalena. He has he gave it to me at plus money, and I am questionable that this fight was ever plus money in that regard, but I assume it appears that JDM opened as an underdog, so Wow. Um good for him. I'm a little surprised that he opened as an underdog. I would have thought this opened as a pick'em, but
3: um, uh he opened at plus one thirty, you're right.
4: Yeah, so he has got money on JDM at plus one twenty. Um obviously that's not a line you're getting uh at all. So not entirely useful for our listeners but for me i agree with just about everything you said when i initially looked at this i was thinking mm, maybe there's some value on uh, Ameev here because he can get the takedowns and i love an underdog grappler because like two takedowns is all you need in a three-round fight baby that's all you need but he's not a very good takedown artist which is the problem I mean, he's a combo sam uh, combat sambo champion but it's just he doesn't get a lot of them. Like he shoots a lot of takedowns that are bad or don't get finished. And he's really wild on the feet at at points. So I could see this fight going either way for me. I honestly think after I watch tape that the odds here are pretty close to spot on. If you are feeling a Madalena by decision prop at plus plus one eighty, whatever that number was, that's okay. But this is one of those situations I'm going to pass just because I don't like putting money on guys. I don't feel like I have a great read on and, Whereas as JDM seems like a good prospect, we haven't seen him fight that much you know he's he had has had a couple of rematches in his pro career before he joined the UFC um which are tough to really get a feel for how much he's growing et cetera and then he got in the you know he did contender series where he looked sensational and obviously his debut he looked very good as well. but I want to see a little more before I start before I start investing because every dollar that I put into him, is a dollar that doesn't go to Valentina Shevchenko. And that's not what I'm <laughs> about, Mike. I am about the bullet train and riding that to minus 630 glory. So that is the main card. That is the big fights. Maybe not all the big fights, but that is the the top five we're getting this weekend. And now it's going to be on to what what do we feel like talking about? Because honestly, I don't have a lot of other bets. I have one other bet on the re- on the remaining fights in this card. And there's another fight that I'm circling for a bit. But are there any fights in the prelims of the early prelims, Mike, that you think jump out at you and you say, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about, you know, kind of where, where the odds makers maybe have something wrong or something I'm seeing. Is anything, anything jumping out at you like that?
3: There is one fight that's jumping out at me, uh, and it has since it was booked. Jake Matthews at Dog Money scratches me right where I itch here, Dred Mishu. It just does. I feel like the Andre Fialo train is a fun one. It's an exciting one. And we like a guy that likes to fight every month, but Jake is just being completely overlooked here. And Jake is a much more complete fighter than Andre Fialo is. Now, is there a world where Andre Fialo will come out and just put the bricks on Jake Matthews and get him out of there in a minute and a half? Yeah, there's a possibility of that happening, but Jake's a pretty smart fighter And when he loses, he loses to guys that are just better than him. And I don't think Andre Fiallo is better than him. I don't. I felt like Sean Brady was better than him. I felt like
4: Sean Brady is
3: tremendous. He's a really good fighter. But I I feel like Jake's got a really good chance to win this fight. And him at plus money just screams value. And something tells you that the longer this week goes and the more people hear from Andre Fiallo and Dana White gives him the rub, I think that that line is probably going to get more pushed in Andre's favor. So I actually think this, I mean, you want to get it at plus plus one fifteen If you want to bet the straight, go right ahead. I think there's some value there, but there's a chance that that plus money line goes up a little higher for Jake, but I feel like Jake at plus money. It's really hard to ignore that. Honestly.
4: I love that. You say this because I'm in full agreement with you. This was one that immediately when I, was looking at the car, jumped out at me, and then when I went back and watched film, I was like, okay, this this feels like at worst it's a coin flip fight. Like this, I mean, at, at worst, if not, it's a slight Jake Matthews should be a favorite here. Um, it's for all the reasons you said. Jake Matthews is a much more complete fighter, and this is just a dude who... He's had some setbacks in the UFC, I mean, obviously, but he's a really good fighter. He's only lost to good dudes. Like, Anthony Rocco Martin is not in the UFC anymore, but he's a damn good fighter. Like, Rocco Martin, he lost to Demian Maia, and who else did he lose to? Neil
3: Magny in yeah. a close fight.
4: Neil, yeah, Neil Magny, two top ten dudes, and then that was his exit from the UFC. Like, Andrew, like great. Sean Brady, uh, I have him incredibly highly ranked in my welterweight rankings, because I think that dude is the truth in the future. So, like, there's nothing wrong with losing to Sean Brady. Um, he's got good wins. Uh, Li Ling. That's a great win, Diego Sanchez. Obviously, that doesn't tickle my fancy anyway. But Emil Weber mech is a good win. Like, yeah, he did lose to Kevin Lee. That was also eight years ago or some absurd number back back on whenever twenty fifteen something like that. So it's. I think he's uh, he's just one of those dudes who he doesn't jump off the page. Right? He is a he he's a a lunch pail kind of guy. He wins a lot of decisions. Well rounded, but nothing super exciting doesn't have doesn't have a lot of finishes or frankly a lot of bonuses in the UFC despite having been in the company for almost a decade he's just a dude he's a good top 20ish kind of guy and i have no idea if andre fialho is a top 20 top 20 talent i it wouldn't shock me if he was but at the same time like he has some losses that are not great <laughs> on his record but he has come in and he's looked so great with those two performance of the night bonuses in the last two fights and a really fun fight against Michelle Paheya. like that's that's a really strong start to your UFC career. And so I get the hype, but this feels exactly like that. Where this is a, oh here's the hype, but this is some of this is unjustified. We've got the quiet, unassuming dude, and we've got the guy that everyone is talking about. So for me, I am with you. I've got Jake Matthews. I got him at plus one twenty at an underdog. Um, I'm also really shocked, but Connor doesn't have a bet here. I would have thought for sure we would be another another underdog uh, together wolfpack wager, but but that's not the case. So it's just you and me, Mike. it's a Shiloh it's a Shiloh wager Feeling <laughs> yeah. the Jake Matthews, and I'm excited about it. I have one more fight I want to talk about, and then we'll go talk about anything else that you want on the card. Let's but go. this is a fight that i I want to put a bet down on because I think that I'm right. But part of me thinks that maybe I'm stupid. And so I need you to tell me if I'm being stupid, Jed, or if I'm being genius, Jed, because I can't tell the difference. It's a fine line to walk. And it's the early prelim main event. <laughs> the a bantamweight fight between Kong Kyung-ho and Dana Batgaro.
3: Dana uh, Batcarey, and I'm I knew Dana you were back-a-ree. gonna say that, and I can't wait to I'm hear what you have to say.
4: I'm not good at this. I'm not I'm not good at names. I never have been. So this is the other fight that jumped out on the page of me because One, there's so much tape on both of these guys. Low-key, they have been fighting the UFC forever. Which, (laughs) if you had told me coming into this fight that uh, uh, Kang Kyung-ho had been in the UFC for, like, since 2013. That is, 2013 is how long he's been in the organization. I would have told you that I don't believe you. That's just not true. But he has. And actually, if you go watch the tape and you look at his fights... Not wildly exciting most of it, but he's a damn good fighter. Like he's a really solid, solid fighter. Like he's in in a lot of ways the same as Jake Matthews. Like he can do a bit of everything. He's not great on the feet, but he's got a sharp enough jab. He's not like lost up there, and he has. But he does have one really good skill. He is great at taking the back. Like he excels at that. He's got a number of choke finishes as a result of that. Um, he's a fine wrestler, not a great one, but he's got decent reactive takedowns and trips from clinches. Like he can do a lot of stuff. And Dana Bakgiri is also been in the UFC for uh, 2019, but he's got five fights or something in the organization, which is honestly more than I would have thought as well. But for me, this fight comes down to Bakgiri's debut against Alatang Haile, another one I probably butchered where he just got taken down a bunch. And that was like he had a really fun really exciting fight but he ended up losing a decision because he gave up like four takedowns on five shot attempts or something like that and Kong Kyung ho is I think a better gra- positional grappler um than than Lee is he is a good enough takedown artist he's gonna be a bit physically bigger than Dana bakery and low key bakery since that first debut fight obviously bakery has gone on to have three wins you know three quality wins in the organization. And then a loss to Chris Gutierrez, which I think that's a very explicable loss. Chris Gutierrez is a really good fighter. But he has not had a single takedown shot on him since his debut in the promotion. And that is not what's going to happen against Khan Ho. Uh, I think that this is it. I-, I said it. I said earlier in the show, I'm taking underdogs who are grapplers in striker versus grappling matchups. And I think that's what this is. Uh, I just don't see why Kong Kyung-ho is a plus 130 dog. This fight feels like it should be a pick to me. So I'm going to take the value at that. And yeah, Bakery throws bombs and maybe he connects on one. And maybe I'm sad. But also, Kong has his one KO loss in his career. He doesn't get knocked out. He usually loses a decision. So I just think he can grapple. And that's, it's another underdog. I got a lot of underdogs this week, but... That's where I want to be. So tell me if I'm stupid.
3: You know, Jed, I'd love to get in this microphone and take the opportunity to, to call you stupid. But I would, first of all, I wouldn't do that anyways in this setting.
4: (laughs) Not on my show. We can do it on your show. Yeah. My
3: show. Yeah. Um, On BTL. Absolutely. But I'm with you here. I'm actually with you on this. I think this is a great pick. And here's, some, uh, here's one other thing that a lot of people aren't factoring into this thing. Kyung Ho Kang was not supposed to fight Dana Bakery this entire time. He was supposed to fight Simon Oliveira. Here comes Dana Bakery on short notice to step up and take this fight, which is very admirable. Good on him. Dana is. probably very happy. You mentioned the Chris Gutierrez fight. And when you talk about losses to Chris Gutierrez, you think that You probably just got leg kicked for 15 minutes, which is not fun. And you probably lost a decision. Danaga Bakary got the doors blown off of him by Chris Gutierrez. He's going to be on the Bob O'Reilly highlight reel video for years to come after this knockout loss that he took. And by the way, this loss did not happen eight months ago. It happened less than three months ago. Have it in March. <laughs> the end of March, which is basically like the first week of April. So we're talking like two months ago, Dana Bakary just got the boots put to him and then got viciously knocked out by Chris Gutierrez. That was not a typical, we bounce back in two months to fight again kind of a knockout. That's a we're out for a while kind of a knockout. And before that knockout happened, Chris was whooping on him. Bad. With the leg kicks, shots to the body, he was landing up top, had him in some big trouble in the first round. I think it's too soon for him to come back, and that makes this thing a little more a little more appealing to me. Because what this tells me is that Zanab Bakari is gonna come out and he's going to try to knock Kyung Ho Kong's head into the third row. And if he doesn't if that doesn't happen, if he gets taken down in the first minute of this fight, he's done. I think he's done. He's going to get the the air sucked out of him in that first round. All of his confidence is going to wither away into the Singapore indoor stadium, just flying into the sky like the undertaker after the casket match at the Royal rumble. (laughs) His spirit is going to float into the rafters and Kyung Hong Kang is going to grind and gruel his way to a 30, 27 unanimous decision. I I feel very confident about this. I'm shocked that he's plus money, especially on a short notice opportunity, but Oftentimes, we just look at knockouts. We look at topology. Just look at, I mean, listen, I like Dana Bakari a lot. I like the way he fights. He's an exciting guy. But we have to look at the level of competition that these two men have faced. Top to bottom, Kyung Ho Kong has fought much better competition. And since in the UFC, the Aletang Lee fight, which is a great example here if we're looking at this fight, who was 12-7-1, very similar kinds of records, win percentage-wise. Then he knocks out Guido Canetti, not in the UFC. Kevin Atividad, I don't know if he's still in the UFC. And Brandon Davis took this fight on, like, 72 hours notice after a hiatus from the UFC, and he went on to just knock out a bunch of regional guys and and made his way back. These aren't quality wins. I mean, these are good, fun wins, and he treated the fighters the way he was supposed to treat them young Ho kang is by far I, I mean compared to the three guys he beat young Ho kang is a much tougher fight so yeah I'm with you take the dog there I don't know what, if Connor's on here for a tripod or whatever we're gonna call this thing down the Connor's line but not he's not
4: he's not unfortunately um though I'm less surprised by this one because this one is a doesn't feel like it speaks to to where Connor's at as a gambler though you did mention some fighters and I will just throw this out for the listeners. Interestingly, these two have fought two of the same people, which is not something you see, especially like you'll see it at the tops of divisions when there's a lot of people fighting the same top ten compo- competition. But both men have fought Brandon Davis and Guido Canetti. Both both men won both of those fights, um, so you can't really take too much from that. Though, if you're trying to really MMA math it, then Abakaree did knock out Brandon Davis. Uh, although granted, as as you mentioned, there were some extenuating circumstances to Brandon Davis in that fight. So, yeah, that is uh that's where I'm feeling. I which gives me now five underdog bets this week, which is nice. a lot of underdog bets this week. <laughs> but you know, I feel good about all of them. And the great thing about underdog bets is you if you hit them at a fifty percent rate, you're making money. So that's all we have to hope is that at least fifty percent of the underdogs are cashing out. For my ticket. And even then we don't have to hope. Because Valentina Shevchenko minus 630. And all of my money. Is going to bring me home to a positive weekend. Of that I am certain. Are there any other fights to talk about? Because uh, any other fights that are exciting to you. Interesting to you. Something that you really want to get off your chest about. Because the only thing else I have. I don't have anything to say on it. It is just that Connor also has a a bet. On Sung Woo Choi. Versus Joshua Kuli Bao. Uh, he has Troy Choi uh, to win at minus 225. My thoughts on that fight are pretty simple of, sure, I, I don't think that that's a bad bet. Um, it's just not a bet I particularly want to put my money behind. I don't feel like I have a great read, uh, especially on Kuli Bao. We've seen him a few times, but I just, I think that that's, that, that bet's probably going to cash, but it's just not one I want to put my money behind, so... If you do, you have any other fights here that are jumping out at you? Something that you're really excited about? Maybe Malcolm Allen. I know that that's the prelim main event that people are stoked on, but I just I I had to step away from that fight particularly. <laughs> but I don't know if there's anything else that's interesting to you.
3: Yeah, I mean, I get it. Um, Brennan's a big favorite. This line, this fight should could probably be lined a little bit closer if we're being honest. Yeah, I,
4: that's why I, that's why I stepped away from this fight because I. I was very close to betting Malcoon for all the same reasons I've bet every other underdog <laughs> this week. And I was like, I'm going to have I'm gonna have every underdog on the card. Yeah. I just shouldn't bet this fight. That'd be very dumb.
3: Yeah, I mean, but Malcoon is alive at plus 220 because of the same reasons that you would bet on all, of these, all these other underdogs. Exactly. He's got that. He is like what Colby was seven years ago. And what I mean by that is he just chain wrestles his ass off. He will he just shoots break so you. Many
4: takedowns. Yeah,
3: he will break you just with, like, against the fence without even landing a takedown. He's just going to keep coming. And if Brendan gets up, he's just going to get down taken down again. Now, could Brendan be advantageous? He's got very good jujitsu for a middleweight. I, I mean, there's some smoke there. I get it. If you're taking a dog shot on Malcoon, I don't blame you. I would, at the end of the day, I'll probably pick Brendan Allen to squeeze out a decision just because he's the bigger fighter. And I think there's going to be moments where he can keep Malkun away. And Malkun is not a fast starter. Malkun starts slow and then he gets into the wrestling. Then he tries to grind you out. So if Brendan Allen can win the first half of the fight, I think he'll end up taking it. The only other one that kind of stuck out to me a little bit was the Liang Na. Silvania Gomez Juarez, if you're looking for another like sneaky possible underdog because Silvania can crack. We saw it in the v- Vanessa Demopoulos fight, but we've also seen a really big, a really big problem in her armor where if she doesn't get a finish with that big shot, she just folds and Liang Na is a very, very tough fighter. She had the loss at her UFC debut to Ariana Carnalosi, but that fight was freaking insane. Until that fight ended. Until Carnelosi just hulked up and put her away. But before that, the I mean, the Jacksonville crowd, that was the first fight with a full arena in a long time. That place went bananas. Leong Na was just like, let's go and let's fight. And now she's got the home crowd behind her as a dog against a fighter that she probably can beat without that. I think she's an interesting dog as well. I think she could do very well. She's durable as hell. And if she could just... If she gets cracked and she survives it, she's got a good chance to win this fight. So that's another interesting dog that I'm surprised is a dog in this fight.
4: Yeah, I honestly didn't... Uh, I, I didn't bet this fight because I just almost never bet uh, on fights with people who... If one or more of the fighters have one fight in a big promotion, I just... I, that's just not enough tape. It's the same reason I'm staying away from Jack Della, uh, Della Maddalena. Uh it's just I just want to see a little more, uh, the fact that her one fight was the Ari- Ariane Conolosi fight, and like you said, good good fight, honestly. But I just can't. But I, everything you're saying from a from a nuts and bolts standpoint makes sense. That's just not a bet. I I'm going to to suggest anybody just because that's not. I'd rather bet again. I would just rather bet on Valentina Shevchenko because I know what I'm getting. I know what I'm getting <laughs> with Valentina Shevchenko, and it's a W. Um, okay, that is all the bets on the card. Let us close this thing down. We will I will recap the bets I've got going. And I gotta say, I hate that you you almost talked me into Malcoon, and I might even end up going Malcoon <laughs> because then I'll have seven underdogs on a how many fights are 12 fight cards. I'll I'll be betting seven underdogs and then Valentina Shevchenko, and maybe that fits. Maybe you bet, bet the biggest favorite on the card and then seven underdogs and your karmic justice evens out. I don't know, but I'm thinking about it. You got the wheels turning on on that fight as well, but as it sits, here are our bets for the week. I've got Glover to at plus 275 that goes directly ahead to head against Connor Burks who has year minus 185. I have a prop bet on Valentina Shevchenko by KOTKO at plus 200. I have here come the underdogs, guys. I've got Rogerio <laughs> bonter at plus 180. I've got Kyung-Ho Kang at plus 130. I've got Ioannion Jacek at plus 135. I've got Jake Matthews at plus 120. All of those are underdogs. All of those are straight bets. I have a parlay for Glover to Yuri Prohoshka does not go the distance. Parlayed with Valentina Shevchenko. Parlayed with Zhang uh, Ioannion Jacek. Goes the distance. All that pays out at plus 101. And then my last bet of the evening, the bet I'm going to go make now that I've locked in all my other ones, I'm taking Valentina Shevchenko for the all-in. The lock of the century, lock of the year, lock of the the millennia, Valentina Shevchenko is going to win this fight. I don't know if it's by decision, by submission, by KO. I just know it's a W. And so I'm taking her at minus 630, and I'm betting every cent in the bankroll that isn't tied up in these other bets all on that. I'm going all-in. It's a real, real dumb idea, but you know... You gotta have fun. You gotta have fun. I've got the aces <laughs> and I'm shoving pre-flop with them. My compatriot Connor Burks, a recap of his bets. He's got Sungwoo Choi at minus 225. He's got Jack Jella at plus 120. He has Yani and J at plus 155. That's a wolf pack wager with with the extra little sprinkle of juice there from Mr. Mike Heck, uh for a three-way wolf pack. Yeah, Yuri perhaps get minus 185. He has a prop bet on Yuri Glover under two and a half rounds at minus 170, which I don't hate as a bet, frankly. But I think that line scares me just because I could see I could see that fight making into the third before either man gets the job done. Uh but then he and he wraps it up with a parlay featuring Yoani Yunjaychik and Wiley Zhang over one and a half rounds. Valentina Shevchenko and Yuri Glover does not go the distance. That pays out at minus one twenty eight. Those are the bets. Mike, thank you for coming on this journey with me. Thank you for stepping in when Conor Burks abandoned us all, abandoned the fans, abandoned me. But you would never abandon me because you're a great guy, Mike. You're a heck of a guy, in fact. And that's why we wanted to have you on. I appreciate you so much for being here. This has been No Bets Bard. We will be back next week to tell you about all our success at UFC 275 and then talk about Calvin Cater as he boxes his way into our hearts and minds thank you guys love you all
3: good night everybody